kind to one another. Um, you know, one of the most common instruction or teaching that we do our kids as they uh, growing up is for us to say to them, be kind. So I was wondering, what does that really mean to the kids? How do they understand that to be? I suppose it could mean be gentle, share everything, or just to say the nice things to each other. My question to you is, what does that mean to you, kindness? How is your kindness index? And I mention that because whenever I go to hospital, you know, with the gout or some other uh, breathing thing, they'll always take this chart out and say, here is pain index. Where is it? Is it one? Is it five? And usually I'm pretty tolerant of the pain, so I usually go like three or four. Oh, that's not a big deal. So most people point to five. Well, in that case, five too, you know, one of those kinds to get a little more attention. So the question is, what is your kindness index? So we're going to study that a little bit today. The question is, what is kindness? We all grew up just like the kids. Parents are telling us, be kind. Thinking and meaning that it's just about being gentle, saying the nice things. If that's what is in your mind, in our mind, we need to think a little bit again today, which we will do. If someone describes kindness as stated below, what would you think? Here it is. Kindness is a sincere desire for happiness of others. The, the kindness is as simple as a smile to a store clerk, a thank you to a waitress, an encouraging words to an elderly person, or a word of recognition, recognition to a small child. If you do these things, would you be able to rate high on kindness index or someone in the middle? Or is it law? Some of you may think, yeah, if I do all that stuff, I'm on index number five. I'm doing pretty good. Well, let's continue to just to, um, uh, reflect what we're going to be talking about through the word of God. Our text today, Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit, remember the key here today, the phrase is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not just the word kindness that we're focusing on. It's the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit, whenever there is emphasis of the word, but that means that God is trying to really focus. It's not just this, guys, but it's this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, and so forth. So what does it really mean when the Bible says kindness? Well, in addition to our scripture reading today, we're told to be kind. Colossians 3.12 says, clothe yourselves with the kindness. 1 Corinthians 13.4 says, love is patient and love is kind. So really the bottom line is this, that we as Christians, our lives should be characterized with kindness. 
as we are characterized as kind with kindness, then what does it mean biblically what the kindness is? We've been speaking over uh, many, uh, uh, you know, Sundays. Whenever we read Bible, whenever there are like words, each and every word does not stand on its own. In Bible term, from New Testament, Old Testament to New Testament, whenever a word is used, it has deeper, profound meaning. It's like you know, huge iceberg. Whatever you see in the tip. Above the water is, 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 is nothing compared to what you see below the iced, uh, iceberg. For example, we've been talking quite a bit about the, the word stone. Stone is a little you know, trivial, the rocks and pebbles on the streets, but it, it has profound, deep meaning. We remember that, right? In the Tower of Babel, how the people try to build that tallest building in the world to reach the heavens. And God was like looking at the people and said, pathetically, I can't believe these guys. Trying to build the tallest building or try to reach to, to, to the heavens. And they're trying to build what? Build the tower with what? They're building it with brick instead of stone. What does that mean? Well, if it's in the Bible, it's got to mean something really spectacular. It must be mean really special. Yes, it does. God is saying, teaching us with that story, the brick is man-made stuff. We're trying to live our life, build our life with man-made know-hows. Simple thing is great schools, great grades, diplomas, Positions is all made. We go to bookstore and buy how to. You go to any of the sellers of bookstores. What kind of book sells the most? It's always how to. Man-made know-hows is what we are interested. God is saying, I don't want you to build your life with a brick, but build it with a stone. Stone is God-made. God made what? He made the words. He have given us word. Found your life on the word of God. That's what it means. And the word of God, as in the stone, meaning the rock, rock of ages. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the rock of ages. Our Christ Jesus is the stone. So what does kindness mean? How deep is it? Is it really being just nice? Oh, let me open the door for you. I don't do that anymore. I got influenced by this woman's movement in the 20, 25 years ago, especially in a professional setting. You know, we're not supposed to open the door for the woman. I don't know about today, but it's, it, that's the way it was about 20 some years ago. They would ask as a man not to open the door for a woman in a professional business setting because they want to be equal to, to men. Opening the door, just saying the nice things. Saying the nice things, doing good gestures, smiling, they are all inclusive in the kindness. But if a kindness only means those things, that's not really in line with the fruit of the Spirit. 
So we need to go back to the phrase that comes before kindness. The fruit of spirit denotes that one seed needs to die in order to give a birth to another fruit. Whenever you study Bible and you're trying to really understand the deep meaning of it all, we must look everything in the light of grace. That one needs to sacrifice in order to have life for others. That's grace. The fruit of spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. Now reflecting on this amazing the power and presence and the work of grace and this, the fruit of spirit of today's scripture, if you look at that and you try to reflect on this, the way we ought to look at instead of brick, you should be using stone. In other words, instead of looking at love as what it stands for, we need to look at what love does. Love gives. The action of love is sacrifice. And thus, God is love. Jesus sacrifice. God sacrifice. Instead of looking at joy as what it stands for, feeling happy or grateful, we need to look at what joy does. Joy sacrifices. There is a tremendous joy in sacrificing for our children, to give you an example. How can a sacrifice be joy? Yes, we experience all along a tremendous sacrifice. Joy in sacrificing for our children. Especially when they're Little babies. They were, we will sacrifice just about anything for little infant baby. Our vacations, our money, and our whatever, parties and sleeps and everything we sacrifice. And there, even though there is so much sacrifice, lack of sleep and all that, but there's tremendous joy there. Instead of looking at peace and what it stands for, peace, the calmness, free of conflicts, well, we need to look at what peace can do. Peace, because of peace, one sacrifices, they sacrifice their pride and even asking for forgiveness, which in turn bears fruit of peace. The fruit is not just peace itself. It's not just the joy itself. It's not just love itself, but what they do. So understand, so in order for us to understand the biblical meaning of kindness, we need to look at it in the light of grace and what kindness can do. Kindness sacrifices. Do you get the drift now? They're not different from love, joy, patience, peace. 
kindness sacrifices. If kindness is just about being nice, saying the nice things, smiling, then it's just politeness. Think about it. If kindness is just being nice to each other, that's just the politeness. You don't need to be a Christian to be polite. You step outside, lots of people out there are polite. Just about all other religion teaches about being kind and to be polite. Even the atheists, one thing they're very good at is being polite, being kind. Without the painting, the brushing, the grace into kindness, the kindness is nothing more than politeness. That is not the attribute of the fruit of the Spirit. On the lighter note, about four, some five months ago, I was uh, headed to Korea in the plane. I buy a coach, economy class, hoping that I get upgraded to business class. Yes, I got upgraded to business class since I got travel quite a bit. So that kind of makes you feel really good about it. And... Uh, you know, I kind of like riding a plane because I'm a pilot. It gets still gets a little excited whenever a plane takes off. So when you when you go on this business class, you know, it got this bulky chair. You know, there are a lot of ledges. You can put your stuff. You can put your books there. You know, it's not like economy class. You can put this stuff. So I pull my thing. You know, the cell phone. I put it right on the ledge. And I didn't know it was there, but I just put it there. And then when the Plane got to the uh, runway, and then as pilot thrusted engine, and we were ready to take off, and, we're, and then all of a sudden, this phone fell on the ground and slid under the bottom of that bulky business class seat. So with my thing, uh, seatbelt buckled, and I tried to reach, and I couldn't do it, so I waited until the plane was airborne. And I tried, I got up and out of my seat and trying to uh, excuse myself, the guy sitting behind me, hey, I think I lost my uh, phone, I really need to find it. And uh, he got up and went underneath there, looked for it and couldn't find it, it's not there. Now, without this phone, I'm nobody, <laughs> as you all know. I mean, I'm going to Korea. Everything is in here. Phone number to all the emails, all the, you know, uh, uh, whatever. It's the schedule. Everything is in here. Without this, I am completely and totally lost. So I'm getting a little anxious. So uh, I asked one of the flight attendants, I says, look, I, uh, I think my phone is under my seat, but, you know, I can't get it. And she said, well, it happens quite often. You can't get that. Said, what do you mean? He says, well, as you can see, the gap between the bottom of the seat and the floor is like half inch. I said, why did they design it like this? I don't know. So they were really, but, but she was extremely kind and polite. Uh, in the business class, they know your name, right? So Mr. Haas, um, we really apologize for how the plane was designed. <laughs> we're not going to be able to get it out. And uh, so uh, the only way it could be possible is when we land at the airport, 
we have to call a technician, we actually have to dismantle the seat. I said, my goodness, are you serious? It's, it's been done before, and that's the only way it's going to be. So I was getting really anxious, right? And then the, and the flight attendant felt a little bad, and I called this male flight attendant. And he just, okay, he got the flashlights, and he looked underneath it, and he said, wow, way in the back. I see it, I see it. Well, get it out. Can't be, can't get it out. <laughs> but I said, well, I'm so sorry, and, uh, you, know, we're just, you know, we just really can't do it, but we understand the importance of your cell phone. We're gonna, the first thing we're going to do is contact the, 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 the crew down uh, at the Seoul International Airport. We'll try to get it out. Then I looked at myself, look, there's somebody out there going to wait for me to, to pick me up at the airport. Usually, you know, I just take the train or bus. And that particular, the someone would come out and to pick me up. And I know knowing to dismantle this entire city is going to probably take at least a couple hours. And uh, I was getting a little anxious. And seeing all this commotion, another flight attendant comes to me. Let me see if I can do something. She goes to the back and grabs this a, uh, um, cloth hanger. Now, in the coat hanger, in airplanes, you can't have a wired uh, coat hanger because it could be used as the thread. So it's kind of plastic, flat. And it's not really something that you can, you know, put underneath the chair trying to cross something out. So she just looks at the thing and she breaks it apart. And she takes the tape and she just wraps it somehow in some form, trying to create a little like hook. And this phone, in one time, I took off this frame around it, so it's very, very slippery. And this plastic hook is very, very slippery. And then realizing it can't be done, and she said, this is what I'm going to do. She didn't even tell me. She, says, she calls another flight attendant, a lady. I want you to stand right here because I don't become too visible. She lays flat on her stomach with her skirt. That's why she asked the other flight attendant to hide her so others cannot see her butt. And, and she was flat on the screen using that thing, just going on. It took her about half an hour. Finally, she takes it out and says, I got it. The whole plane of business class were clapping and everything. <laughs> she saved me. So I was so thankful to her, and I said, you know, this is a very difficult task. I'm an engineer. I understand. This is very difficult to take it out. You know, you could have just left it until, uh, you know, we landed and saw it, have a crew to come and dismantle. Why did you do what you did? She said, well, it wasn't really about getting your cell phone out. I saw that you were in need. And I had to do something about it, even sacrificing my dignity of crawling on the floor of the airplane. The kindness that God is talking about is this. 
It's not simply kindness. It's called loving kindness. That engraft with humility ensure benefit for someone even at the cost of sacrifice. Kindness is love's action. God is love. God's action was to send his son. God saw that we were in need. God saw that we were in need to be forgiven. God's action was to have his son sacrifice his life to die on the cross. That's love. That's kindness. They are intertwined, knitted with the grace. Kindness is love's action. Kindness, the Bible describes, is not just an attitude. The kindness the Bible talks about is not just politeness. The kindness the Bible talks about is not just about smile. It's the extension of that smile. It's not just about attitude. It's the extent of that attitude. It's not just the politeness. It's what you go beyond being politeness that will bear fruit. Kindness is the fruit of spirit. And at the same time, is also the bearer of fruit. That is the grace working in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Examples in the Bible. There are so many examples in the Bible. In one case in Luke 7, verse 11. Soon after, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A person in need, it is what is being emphasized here. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and said to her, don't Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. That's love. That's grace. That's kindness. In other words, that's love and that's kindness simmered in grace. You may say, well, that's a miracle, a miracle that only Jesus can do. Well, then he could have actually stopped simply at comforting that woman, that widow. But Jesus showed the extension of kind attitude. Jesus saved the son. He showed us that kindness bears fruit. The flight attendant went beyond her duty 
to bear fruit of finding their cell phone and thus giving the life of joy to me. At the expense of her dignity, lying flat on that airplane floor. That's love. That's kindness that is simmered in grace. There are many examples in the Bible similar to this. Other locations, Jesus will go and heal people from the sick with the kindness. Other times, he will go and uh, raise that person once again. And when he does, when he did that, he will usually end his act of kindness with these words. Then he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Why did he say that at the end? Every time he performs a miracle, that which is based on love and the kindness. Why does he conclude his story with, do not tell what I just did to others? Because he was risking his life. That's a sacrifice. He knew that the more he performed the kindness, the miracle, the more closely he's going to be to the cross. He needed a little more time, I would suppose, to teach more people about grace. Do not yet tell this to other people. He has more sacrificing work to do. And Jesus was also kind to those who do not deserve it. Luke chapter 6, 35 to 36. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful one and wicked ones. Why show kindness to ungrateful ones and wicked ones? Because it's about grace. That's why. If it's a politeness, it is almost impossible to show kindness to our enemies. But it's because of a grace. Kindness has no limits. And because it's about grace, it is about the fruit of spirit. Titus 3, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. That's us. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. That's us, according to Titus chapter 3, verse 5. But, but 
But, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior appeared, He saved us. Kindness saves lives. God showed us that kindness is extended to those who do not deserve it. That's us. Kindness saves lives because it's about grace. Save lives at a price. Let's look at our scripture once again. The fruit of spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. Four weeks ago when we started uh, our series, I introduce you about this fruit of spirit so that we can really understand the big picture. And imagine the, the picture that I draw, if you can show that slide once again. And I want to summarize by showing how it all ties together. Can I have a, a picture? Click, please. Thank you. It's awesome. Remember I told you to imagine? On a mountaintop, there is temple. Its door flows water. And as you go down hill, it gets bigger and wider and deeper. And as you come down closer to riverbank, there are trees growing. And every tree is bearing fruit. It is so powerful, so healing that when it even reached the dead seed, meaning us, the sinful world, that it had a power to heal and make everything new again and to live again. That's the picture. That's the picture. That's very easy to understand, right? Even kindergarten would understand the picture and the meaning of it all as I explained it. But I do want to read Ezekiel chapter 47 once again so we can really dwell in the Spirit of God and how God has basically said in the Old Testament that I will do this through the fruit of Spirit, the grace. So let's read slowly and observe and take it all in. Ezekiel 47, one, verse 1 through 12. It's about the river of healing. Then the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, the heaven above. There I saw a stream flowing eastward from beneath the temple threshold. This stream then passed to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. There I could see the stream flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. 
Measuring as he went, he led me along the stream for 1750 feet and told me to go across. At that point, the water was up to my ankle. He measured off another 1750 feet and told me to go across again. This time, the water was up to my knees. After another 1750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1750 feet and the river was too deep to cross without swimming. He told me to keep this in mind, what I have seen. Then he led me back along the river bank. Suddenly, suddenly, to my surprise, many trees were now growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the Jordan Valley where it enters the Dead Sea. That's a sinful world. The waters of this stream will heal the salty waters of the Dead Sea and make them fresh and pure. That's grace. Everything that touch, touches the water of this river will live. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea for its water will be healed. Wherever this water flows, everything will live. But the marshes and swamps will not be purified. They will be sources of salt. Verse 12, all kinds of fruit trees will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall. Eternity, eternity is spoken here. And there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be new crop every month without fail. For they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. The water is the Holy Spirit. The conduit of the fruit of the Spirit. The new fruit is Jesus Christ. He will come to sustain us and to save us. Temple is the heaven above. Wherever the Spirit goes, it will make everything live again and new again. Wherever there is presence of the Holy Spirit, everything will be new again, even the Dead Sea the simple world that we live in, there will be new life. In other words, Christ will come and save the world, bearing fruit among us. The act of kindness is not politeness. Kindness is one of the attributes of Jesus. And like love, joy, and peace, the kindness also had the power to save and make things new again. So I pray and encourage all of you, as you think about the kindness, think about the, the, the gesture, the act of a kindness, and that is why we are saved. Likewise, God desires us to do the same thing to one another. In summary, love your neighbor. 
as yourself. That's the kindness. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much.